Welcome to Giant Cocktails Happy Hour, a podcast where two amateur mixologists introduce homemade cocktails and discuss what makes each one a giant hit. Now, here are your hosts, Finn and Matthew Henry. Welcome to another thirst-quenching episode of the Giant Cocktails Happy Hour. I'm your trusted guide through the world of classic mixology, Matthew the Muddler Henry, ready to steer our cocktail shaker through time-honored recipes. And joining me, as always, is the indomitable, the ever-illustrious Ben, the Baron of Bourbon, Henry, whose palate for adventure has led him to the farthest reaches of the cocktail kingdom. Today, Ben's got a wild twist on a traditional tipple that's sure to shake up your taste buds. So grab your glasses, folks. We're about to mix up a storm. How you doing, Baron of Bourbon? Wow. Baron of Bourbon. Rocking through the forest of the kingdom or something? I don't know. I stopped listening. But I did hear the part where you said that I'm doing a, or you said, but ChatGPT wrote that I'm doing a, tr- a, a rendition or a version of a traditional tipple. That's what it said. Tipple. Yes. A wild twist on a traditional tipple. A wild twist. Well, it's not. I mean, that's kind of true. That's kind of true. I mean, it's not that much of a guess. You know, so I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to give ChatGPT a ton of credit. But uh, let's see. This is the beginning of the show, and usually I talk about myself. Yeah. Well, I talk about myself through the whole show, right? <laughs> but this is but this is where like I'm allowed to talk about myself directly. Yeah. How was your week? What'd you do? What's going on? My week was good. I I accomplished some some big things this past week in my personal life. I achieved some goals. You know, I slayed some dragons. I ate I ate the frog. Nice. Of the year. Of the year, I ate my yearly frog, or I don't know how to say that. Oh, good for you, good for you. Now, now, is this the type of thing that that you've been putting off and putting off and putting off, and then takes like half an hour to do? Like, yeah, no, I do that too. But this is no, this was a different kind. This was one where I thought it was going to take me a lot less time, and then I realized that I was undertaking a challenge that was beyond my capabilities, and so I had to go acquire a lot of skills. And then I finally took all of those skills and put them all together and created a mediocre output. Oh, well, good for you. But it's an output is the key. And so a monumental week for me. And, you know, there's this saying in software development that you reminded me of recently, which is like, she who ships wins. Artist ship. Yeah. Artist ship. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you just gotta move forward. And so, so that's what I did. And, and now, now I'm, I'm carrying on. So good week, good week. I know that, uh, also another good week. Another reason this is a good week is that really earlier today on the day that we record this podcast, it was old news by now, but, but your favorite football team, I guess it's my favorite football team too, American football team. And my wife's favorite football team, uh, the Dirty Miners. But, yeah, I'm really proud of those boys. They pulled it out. Overcame a 17-point deficit. I, I would like to take credit for them doing so Why? well because at halftime, I switched to a higher-proof bourbon. Oh, 
I was going to say that's ridiculous that you would have any effect, but since you made that particular move, <laughs> yeah, that probably was it. Yep. <laughs> it probably was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, yes. And that was a great end to the week. It literally happened just an hour or so ago from when we were recording. And so I'm still kind of a little giddy from, from that and a little drained, actually. It was emotionally uh, draining yeah. to watch that game. Yeah. Comebacks will do that to you. Yeah. Baseball is not the same, right? You always have another game. Whereas football, that's it. That's it. It's, it's like a game seven every, every, every time. And just 2002, Ben would like to differ with you. <laughs> would like to quibble. It's been a while since we've had those types of series. So maybe I'm just forgetting, but you know, it's 2002. Ben would like to have a fight right now. <laughs> All right. But this isn't the Giants podcast. This is our cocktail podcast. So, so uh, yeah, for me, my week was well, I, my younger, my younger daughter started playing indoor soccer. And uh, what I learned, I've never watched really indoor soccer much at all. And I learned that they have a penalty box, just like hockey. So now I've told my daughter that her goal is to just get in the penalty box. That would be kind of fun. Alas, she did not this time. She, she, uh, she played a straight up game, but I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that at some point she'll, she'll get put in the penalty box. Uh, wait, isn't this the one that elbows people in the neck? Yes, it is. But she, I think she felt so bad about elbowing somebody in the neck last time that she doesn't, she doesn't want to like throw her elbows anymore. So we'll work on her. We'll work on it. And then, and then that's probably because I, I mentioned it to her face and that probably embarrassed her. I shouldn't have done that. It's my fault. <laughs> and then, and then we went hiking today and in a local park that has lots of hills. And I had heard about these hills, but I had never really experienced them myself. And holy Lord, there were hills. And I, I'm sure I'm going to be a little sore tomorrow from from these these mountains that we climbed today. But it was fun. Well, yeah, that's what you get for exercising. That's right. That's right. Maybe we should just forget that whole thing altogether. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, I do have a question for you, and it does relate a little bit to the 49er game that we witnessed earlier. Okay. Uh, I mentioned that the reason the 49ers won is because I switched to a higher proof bourbon. And and. In my in the Twitter feed and a couple of other uh, places that I was following on social media, people were at halftime were talking about how they were switching seats or they were going to switch jerseys. You know, everybody was trying to do their thing to to switch up the luck. And 49ers fans, whatever you did, it worked. Right. And so you got confirmation of your superstitious nature. And so my question to you, Ben, is are you superstitious when it comes to sports? No, but also, yes. But mostly no. See, here's my problem with this. Are, are, are you a rally cap kind of guy or do you? I'm a rally cap kind of guy. Yes. But that's just because it's fun. You know, when your team is down four runs in the bottom of the ninth and you like in the grand scheme of things, like everything being equal, like in terms of efficiency and usefulness to your life, you probably should leave. You should probably just leave. No, no, you should not. But no. No, you need a reason. You need something to to make it fun and make the, the just staying there as your team goes <laughs> three up and three down. <laughs> but then there's that you, you need a reason. That one time where it doesn't. Like you and I were at a game two two seasons ago where Mike Yastrzemski hit a walk off grand slam. That's right. That's right. And and so those are the moments that if you always left early, you would never see them. But it's still also nice when those ones where you they don't come back, you still got to do something fun, like wear the, you know, wear the hat all wonky. I like the I like the one where it looks like a shark's fin on the top of my head. 
you know? Yes. You put the bill straight up. Yeah. Like that one too. Yeah. I mean, that looked cooler when I had hair. Now I just, you know, I just, I got to turn around and make it turn backwards and I look like, I, 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 I look like a trucker, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, that's the, that's, that's the look I, you I got. look like a middle, <laughs> I look like a middle-aged trucker. Cause, cause that's what I look like. <laughs> Too bad you're not a trucker. Cause then you'd be set. I know it would be, I do. I do have that vibe. Like, you know, people like I, I you know, if I walked up to somebody with a clipboard, they'd be like, where do I sign and where did you leave it? You know, <laughs> but but yeah, that, anyway, uh, in terms of overall superstitiousness, though, I, you know, I, um, what I worry about, Matthew, is I worry that all of these 49er fans today, all of the changing up of things that they did, they might cancel each other out, right? See, that's the problem. Like, there's no coordination to it, right? Like, we just have to hope that all of the fans, like, you know, sits on the right cushion and, you know, takes off the correct shoe and wears their hat the right way and, you know... Drinks the, drinks the right bourbon. That's right. Gets the, yeah, or drinks the right number of Midori sours. You know, like the, the right number is zero, folks. They're, it's zero. It's zero. But like you know, they do that, and and then the outcome is what we want and need it to be. But the problem is there's no coordination to it. You know. But here's the good thing: we do know that the Lions fans didn't do anything. Right? They didn't change a darn thing, and that's good because now they're not competing against the Niners fans as they're doing their changes. So, you know, I absolutely, yeah, you're asking me if I believe in magic. And the answer is yes, Matthew, I believe in magic. Excellent. Just, just haven't seen some in a while for my favorite baseball team. But no, but this is the cocktail show. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I, I think, you know, for me, the, that, that magic, that superstition really kind of, it adds something to the experience of watching a game. And I had a, I was, I was doing a gold rush cocktail at the beginning because that felt appropriate for the 49ers and it was a fine cocktail, but it wasn't doing the job. And then at halftime, we were down by 17. I said, screw it. I'm just going with a high proof bourbon old fashioned. And, and as soon as I started drinking that, they started scoring. So uh, I feel like there was a correlation there and it might, and it it probably doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I'm still a little tipsy from that uh, high proof bourbon. Well, that's just the bonus. That's just the bonus. You know, <laughs> yes, it is. It is bonus. That it, it, but anyway, thank you for what you did. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Well, you know what time it is. Is it that time? That time for tip, tip of, of the, the day. day. Tip of the day, Ben. Tip of the day. So my tip. Uh, this is really my tip because your your cocktail does not call for elderflower liqueur today, uh, but mine does. And it got me thinking that elderflower liqueur is actually referred to as bartender's ketchup because it really makes anything taste better. It goes with anything, right? And so when you want to add something to a cocktail that adds sweetness, and a little bit of complexity, adding a bit of elderflower liqueur can often provide that difference maker that you're looking for. Go with elderflower, bartender's ketchup. It will hit the right note that you're looking for. So that's my tip of the day. Don't sleep on elderflower liqueur. That is correct. I do have some questions, however. Okay. Does that mean I can't put it on hot dogs? Uh, you could. You could put it. Sure. Just dip your hot dogs in it. Yeah. Well, I, I no. I'm a strict no person. No ketchup on hot dogs. So I would also then have to say no. No elderflower liqueur on my hot dog either. That's true. Agreed. Agreed. I I, I agree with that aspect. Yeah. I, I also feel like ketchup, man. I mean, uh, okay, look, I'm a little bit of a snob in general. We know this about me, Matthew. I may look like a trucker, 
but I'm a snobby trucker. And so ketchup is a little... Uh, Maybe bartender's ranch. Maybe we should just, oh, uh, there you go. Just, yeah, I'm a ranch kind of guy. I'm not too snobby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wallow down there with those ketchup people, but, you know, with the ranch crowd. That's right. When the server asks you for if you want more ketchup or some ketchup, you're like, no, I'd rather have some ranch. And they're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, elderflower liqueur is is great in giving you that... It especially goes well with like gin and some of the lighter spirits in particular, but even, you know, don't, don't sleep on it with bourbon. Cause it'll, it'll actually add a little bit of uh, complexity there too. Right. Well, it's, it's neutral. It's relatively neutral. It does have a, a nice pleasant flavor, but it's not overpowering. Right. So if something, if you have a cocktail that is overpowered by something else, then you can, uh, it, it would work well in there. So, so that's definitely a, a good reason. It also brings a little bit of sweetness. So if it's too strong in terms of one of those other components, you know, there's too much alcohol, it's too bitter. It's then it, it's going to punch that up too. Or if it's over diluted, Right. Because it will also add some sweetness to it. So so that it is. a, I think it's a really good cocktail, a good uh, fixer for for those kinds of problems where you need to either tone something down or add a little sweetness. The the converse to this is if you need to add a little bit of like body or in terms of flavor, some, make something more round or punch it up a bit. Bitters you know, is, is a good, is a good co- counter to those. I, I really do think that like, you know, and this is a fun thing to experiment folks. Maybe you make a cocktail on the rocks and then you forget about it. Or, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah, you had to sit and watch, I don't know, watch the football guys miss the kick thing. And, and then you forget about your cocktail and you come back to it and it's like the ice is melted and you're like, what could I do to jazz this up? Throw some elderflower liqueur in there and see what it does. Yeah. I like it. Good tip. Good tip. <gasps> It's called kicking a field goal. I know what it is. I know. You always play dumb and then, you know, it's all right. Well, it's the it's the coolest part of football. Why wouldn't I know what it is? <laughs> the coolest part. That's right. Third most important guy in every football team is the is the place kicker. Fight me. Fight me. Quarterback is first. Who's second? Long snapper. OK, yeah, yeah. Got to get the ball there. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Those, if you're a good long snapper, you have a job for like forever, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tabor, Sorry. Tabor pepper. So, yeah. Right. Also football fans, if the score is 28 to 14, the score is four to two. Okay. It's four to two. All right. Maybe we should use this opportunity to segue into <laughs> maybe, your, what are you drinking, Ben? Well, Matthew, today I am drinking a cocktail known as the stone fruit sour. And if you recall from last week, I mentioned that I was thinking about presenting one of two cocktails last week. Well, this is the one that I didn't present. And I found it while I was out there looking for modern cocktails that just to see what people out there were making and doing, because I'd been spending a lot of time recently focusing on my own stuff and I wanted some inspiration. And so this was one of the two cocktails that jumped out at me. And the you can find this on liquor.com if you just do it, just do an internet search for stone fruit sour and you will find it very easily. My recipe is slightly different than their recipe. Mine's a little longer just meaning it has more more volume to it. And I actually added a little bit more of one of the ingredients because I liked it so much. And so what is in it? Well, first of all, it has two ounces of bottled in bond bourbon. So that means 100 proof bourbon. I mean, technically it means also certified as such by the uh, United States government. I, I don't know that that part is that important. Yeah, we don't care about that. Yeah, just, just gotta know that bottled in bond always is 100 proof. Correct, correct. And then you have one ounce of rich, simple syrup, 
one ounce of lemon juice, and then one and a half teaspoons of apricot brandy and one egg white. Dry shake all of the ingredients for 10 seconds. That means put them into your shaker and shake them without ice for 10 seconds or until the egg white is emulsified. Frothy. Then add ice to the shaker and shake it until chilled as normal. And then strain that into a Nick and Nora glass. Now, the people that created this recipe are from a restaurant called the Pacific Standard, which is in Portland, Oregon. And they serve it in an Irish coffee glass. And so it looks pretty classy. And I also think that's why the amount of cocktail is a little bit smaller than your standard is because if it's in a smaller vessel like that. And it looks very pretty in that glass, but I don't have any. So I did mine in a Nick and Nora, and it looks pretty cool in that class, in that glass as well. When you taste it, it is a whole lot of mouthfeel. There is a whole lot of mouthfeel going on in this cocktail between the egg white and the rich, simple syrup. It creates a very full-bodied cocktail, but also it brings dryness from the egg white. The, the bourbon is 100-proof bourbon, so it is seriously packing a punch. And, uh, and then it's got an ounce of lemon juice in it, which is pretty standard for a 2 ratio cocktail. But all of that, and then when you have the rich, simple syrup as well, adds quite a, the body to it. So this is a cocktail that really kind of has some, some viscosity to it. So it's quite, it's on the thicker side, but not in a, not in a cloying sort of way. It's really quite nice. It's a whiskey sour, but the apricot brandy really, I think, elevates this, right? Usually a, a whiskey sour to me kind of sits a little low in the flavor profile. You know, it has the bright notes of the, the sour of the lemon. And of course it's sweet, but because it has either the rye or the bourbon in it, it sits kind of lower on the register. So the, the apricot brandy really kind of elevates this cocktail and I think is really what makes it. Because there's a couple of things that are going on that are interesting in this cocktail, which are the bottled and bond bourbon. And I don't know if you heard me, Matthew, but I said one ounce of rich, simple syrup. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, that really threw me when I saw this recipe. That's really why I gravitated towards I was like, I have to taste this and I have to experience this because like that is a lot of sugar, especially where, you know, the golden ratio for, you know, sours is two on one, right? Two ounces of spirit, one ounce of lemon juice or, or citrus juice, and then one ounce of sweetener, right? Which is usually just regular simple syrup. But most bartenders you know, who are making craft cocktails don't serve that ratio. They usually pull back on at very least the the, the sweetener to make yeah. it like t three quarters of a part. And then uh, sometimes they'll pull back on the sour as well to make it a spirit forward cocktail. You know, very rarely do they boost up the sweet. And so I was very interested and I had to try this one out. Now, now, is it that way because because of the bottled and bond? I mean, because it's so such a high proof bourbon that you need that much sweetness to balance it? I think so. Like, I mean, obviously, I don't really know why they made the choices that they did. But I think, one, the rich, simple syrup adds the mouthfeel. But because you're adding so much of it, you need to counter that with other strong ingredients. That's one reason why you would go with a higher proof bourbon, for sure. The second reason is, is that if they're going to serve this in a vessel and maybe they wanted to use an Irish whiskey glass and so uh, Irish coffee glass, sorry, then they needed to lengthen it out. So they needed to have 
a stronger bourbon, but then that required a rich, simple syrup. So I don't know. I mean, that's just conjecture. However, I did try this cocktail without the apricot brandy. Otherwise, everything else was the same. And I did not like it. It was too sweet. So maybe that's what they felt. Maybe that as they were experimenting with this and they really wanted the apricot brandy to be in there because this is, after all, what they called it, the stone fruit sour, they found that the 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 extra sweetness maybe helped elevate the apricot brandy. Well, I, I know you adopted this this recipe and or adapted this recipe, I should say. And I imagine the apricot brandy was like one teaspoon at one point or something like that. And you. Oh, I'm sorry. They called. Yes. In their recipe, they called for. So first of all, they did everything smaller. It was one and a half ounces of bourbon, of bonded bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of rich, simple syrup and three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. So just smaller ratio, same ratio, but just smaller amounts of everything. And then they called for a bar spoon of apricot brandy. Oh, okay. And I have tiny little bar spoons, man. I was like, I looked at that and I was like, "Eh, that's not, that's not going to do it. So, so I, I, like I said, I tried this cocktail arrangement without any apricot brandy in it, didn't like it. And then I added a teaspoon and I thought that was pretty good, but I enjoyed it so much. I boosted it up to a teaspoon and a half, but you know. Okay. Well, the only reason I ask about the teaspoon and a half is because my little calculator here on my phone says that one and a half teaspoons is actually a quarter of an ounce. Right. Yes. So, so if you wanted to stick with the ounces on your newfangled recipe, you could just say a quarter of an ounce of apricot. That is true. I could do that. But you know what? I added the half ounce only today after I'd already written and I had to come in and, <laughs> and, and adjust that. So, and also the vessel that I use to, 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 to get quarters of an ounces, Matthew, it's just like, it's really hard to do that. It is. I agree. Yeah. So my teaspoons are better. Okay. And I actually have this tiny little beaker like guy. That is a teaspoon guy. Oh, nice. But yeah, it's a, anyway, yes, good point. All right. Well, that is a really interesting cocktail and how much such a little amount of apricot brandy kind of changes the whole thing. Because you're right, this is just a bourbon sour and then you add in apricot brandy and it becomes something entirely different, which is, uh, that's pretty cool. I, I really like that. Right. All right. And that's what I'm drinking today, Matthew, the stone fruit sour. I like it. I like how we're, you know, gosh, we've done almost 200 episodes of uh, Giant Cocktails and we're still coming up with these like slight variations on classics that bring in a whole different, different feel. So I love that. I love that we're, we're able to kind of do that and, and it never gets old. So good job. I like this one. That's what makes, yeah, that's what makes cocktail making fun. It is exactly. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. I am bringing to the show a cocktail called the Bella Luna. And this is a gin-based cocktail that was created by a very popular bar where there's books, they've written books and everything called Death and Co. And they are one of the premier bars in the country and they're on the leading edge of a lot of different types of, you know, of cocktail making. So I've got a couple of their books, I know you do too, and they they really dig into kind of the the details behind each cocktail and the origins and where they go and all that and so so i i found this cocktail and what's in a bella luna well it has 2 ounces of gin 3 quarter ounces of elderflower liqueur a half ounce of either creme yvette or creme de violette it has 3 quarter ounces of lemon juice and a teaspoon 
of simple syrup. Now, going back to the liqueur, so creme Yvette is a, a liqueur that's it's somewhere between creme de violette, which is what I ended up using in this cocktail, and a raspberry liqueur. It's kind of it's it's a little bit of a different, and it's very hard to find. So so you you probably won't see it or have it in your bar. And so what? And I didn't. So I subbed creme de violette in this cocktail, and it worked out just fine. What's really wonderful about this cocktail is that when you make it, especially and with the creme de violette that I made, it comes out with this very pale bluish color. Like it's, it looks like, like, you know, the cocktail is called a Bella Luna and I, it, it evokes kind of like dusk, you know, kind of like this, just where the, the, the sky is going from blue to kind of a darker color. And it's just this pale, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but the, the, when you, when you make this cocktail, you'll see what I mean. This very nice pale blue, almost purplish lavender color. That is, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful cocktail and it's very floral. The, the botanicals from the gin combined with the floral notes of the elderflower liqueur and then the fruit of the creme de violette really i mean when you put it to your nose you smell all of the the floral notes come out and then when you take a sip you know the uh, the bite of the gin is there but at the same time you've got just the sweetness from the the liqueur and just a little bit of simple syrup. You, you only need a teaspoon because the 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 liqueur just isn't quite sweet enough to to balance the cocktail. So you do need a little bit of help there. But with the three quarter ounce lemon juice, it, it is a very nice floral notes. It's it's refreshing and a little bit sweet, but it's also just really nice when you take that sip. It just the 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 bite of the gin and the the sweetness and the floral notes just all combined to make a really nice cocktail. So that's what I'm drinking today, Ben, the Bella Luna. First of all, I love gin cocktails. Me too. I think gin kind of gets a bad rap. I just, you know, and it does. I, I, and I certainly, when I, before I started my cocktail journey, I never would have thought, oh, I'm going to love gin cocktails, but boy, uh, gin, these, and this is kind of a gin sour, right? I mean, this is in that vein. Just I just love them. And I think that they just especially when you want something bright and 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 kind of just something that's not so dark and 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 even like this is this could be good in the summer as well. But it also it's it's a year round drink, but it's just I don't know. I love the gin cocktails and this one is particularly good. So that's what I'm bringing. Yeah. It really does. I mean, it adds a lot of body and, and it really is interesting a component when you layer other things on top of it, especially if they're sweet, right? It really has a floral component to it, but it is not sweet at all. Especially if it's a London dry gin with, the, you know, that's heavy on the juniper side. But even if it's something a little bit different, right? Usually the profile they're going for is floral with a little bit of bitterness, maybe a little bit of you know, menthol sort of likeness, right? It's got a little bit of that sort of, it sits, it sits high in your nose. But, and I also like the color. <laughs> that is really interesting. That is a really interesting color. One thing that I forgot to say about elderflower liqueur earlier when we were doing our tip is that elderflower, the St. Germain, which is my preferred elderflower liqueur, has only been around since 2007. Right, yeah. 
right, as as a liqueur, right? It is a it is a liqueur that was launched this century. Uh, the bottle doesn't look like that. It looks very sort of. It looks like you know, I don't know, like reimagined 1930s kind of like 19 or sorry, 1920s, right? Sort of bottle, and it's a very lovely bottle. But the reason I bring that up is because of the creme Yvette, because the way you described it, I want some and I want some right now. That sounds wonderful. That is like right up Ben's sweet tooth alley. And it's really interesting because the creme Yvette actually only resurfaced in 2009. It was a a really old recipe, but it hadn't been around for like 50 years. Like they stopped making it in in the 60s. Oh, wow. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. And. And so so that's probably why it's a little bit hard to find, right? It's just probably not very, very common because it really hasn't been around that long. It, it was on hiatus for 50 years. And this newer version is, you know, younger than St. Germain. But, but what is interesting is, is that about both of these liqueurs is that they are these classic sort of, well, one is, is literally a classic liqueur and the other one is a classic in the sense of like elderflower is a classic flavor. And so I just thought that was an interesting combination since they're both in in this cocktail, which I think makes this cocktail very unusual. Yeah. And very modern, but also with sort of a classic sophistication to it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say if you have creme vet, which I did not, apparently that's more of a reddish color. So your color on your cocktail will be more ruby than than light blue. But I think the color from the research I did on both cocktails is something that stands out. So something that will it enhances the, the look of the of the cocktail. Well, then you got to make both. You got to make both. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go find some creme vet. I don't have any of that. You got to get four, all of them in coupe glasses, alternating in color, just side by side. You know, you post that on the Instagram, make maybe make a, you know, a couple funny TikToks of you making them. You know, while you you measure your 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 simple syrup, your teaspoon of simple syrup in your quarter cup, sorry, your quarter ounce measurement, your quarter ounce jigger. All right. You have one of those, right, Matthew? I do have a quarter ounce jigger. No. Nobody no, has I a don't. quarter ounce jigger. Stop it. I have a quarter ounce uh, measuring cup. Quarter ounce measuring cup? Well, it has a measure quarter ounce line yeah i do too i do too it's the little oxo things and like my hands shake just you know they don't shake in general like i don't you know my hands are fine just when you're trying to pour a quarter ounce huh yeah just when i'm trying to pour a quarter of an ounce it's like you know suddenly it's like the most important thing in the world and i'm like diffusing a bomb and we all die every time folks every time i try to pour a quarter of an ounce we all die because i blow us up so it's a teaspoon and a half folks teaspoon and a half (laughs) that's right it's a teaspoon and a half that's it's and you will never blow up the bomb if you just use your teaspoon and your half teaspoon. <laughs> Boom, quarter of an ounce. Uh, you know what? If, the, if we use the metric system, Matthew, we would know that. And, and you know what? It's better that we don't know that. So I'm glad we don't use the metric system. Poetry. Screw the metric system. Yeah, screw the metric system. If we had the metric system, we wouldn't have the poetry of Ben's ha- shaking hand. When really he could just use the better tool. Right. I'm, I'm trying to like I'm trying to I'm trying to cut these wires on this bomb and I'm using like, you know, head shears, you know. Yeah. Meanwhile, Roger in England's like it's 10 milliliters, Ben. 10 right. mil. <laughs> <laughs> no, in England, they were they were they almost got rid of the metric system in England recently. <laughs> I read too much. You do read too much. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Are we good? Are we good on time? Or I think is we are, like... yeah, we're more than uh, good on time. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. These two time bombs that we presented to you today, the Stone Fruit Sour and the Bella Luna. If you liked either of these cocktails enough to try them yourselves, or maybe you made something better. Take a scot of it. Sponsored by Giant Cocktails. Or maybe just paint a word picture. And send it to us on Instagram, the Twitter formerly known as Twitter, Threads, or Mastodon. We love to interact with you all, and it really helps the show. You know what else helps the show, Matthew? Leaving us a positive rating on Apple Podcasts. And telling a friend. An in-law. A casual acquaintance. A guy you run into on the hiking trail in the park, uh, whatever. Tell anyone about the show. That would really help. Yeah. Instead of smiling in that guy, nodding your head and going, hey, instead say giant cocktails. That's it. That's all you say. <laughs> what? Giant cocktails. And then they'll be questioning like why, why you said that for the rest of their hike. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gold, man. Yeah, it is gold. He'll, he'll go home and he'll, he'll, he'll look it up on the internet. And on the third page, he'll find us and he'll know exactly what that person meant. <laughs> okay, maybe add the word podcast when you do that. So when they're nodding in their head and saying hi, you say Giant Cocktails Podcast. And on that note, we'll see you all next Monday when we'll be drinking these very same cocktails while I wine. And let's face it, while Matthew wines. <laughs> I want to rave. I want to rave about the Giants. You know what? I think we're going to rave. We raved last week, Matthew. I, or at least I tried. I hope it went the way I planned it. <laughs> <laughs> this time travel thing is weird. But, but, but we tried. And so maybe we'll have another positive episode on Monday. But you know what? You don't know. So you're going to have to come listen. And until then, Matthew, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Ben. See ya, everybody. This is a normal goodbye. Goodbye. What? You can't do normal. I can't do normal. No, you can't do normal. I can't do normal. It's so bugging, it's bugging me. Right I'm, now, like, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> oh, right. Patrick Mahomes drinks vodka sodas. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick That's Mahomes right. likes Negronis. Patrick Mahomes likes Negronis. <laughs> On that note, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. You know, you know Travis Kelsey likes Diet Coke and vodka because that's what Taylor Swift's favorite uh, cocktail is. <laughs> Diet Coke and vodka? I think that's what she said. Something like that. It's like Coke. That is a weird combo. Oh, I did see an article. I didn't click on the link because I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Even though it's about cocktails, I'm, just, I'm not going to do anything on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I'm not going to do it. You know what? And, and we're not going to talk about Taylor Swift at all because it's 49er fans are going to be hearing too much about her over the next two weeks. And so I'm not talking about her right now. Okay. I'm still team t Taylor. Whatever. <laughs>